Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. Um, today, we are starting a three-week run-up um, to uh, our big Read the New Testament through in 90 days. It'll take us all the way up to Easter. Who's excited? I'm just glad you're awake enough to respond. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. And I heard you clapping at home too. You're awesome. Um, okay, so there's a couple things I need you to know. Number one, and we'll say this along the way here. Uh, number one, uh, many of you will try this and you'll be like, dude, that's a lot. Cool. Listen, it's uh, three to four chapters A's off, a.k.a. It's a catch-up day for the day that you miss. And some of you will jump in and you won't be able to finish. And you know what? You will still be better for what you read. Some of you will jump in and you will read and read and read and read and read. And God will do things that you didn't know that he was going to do because of it. And back in August when we were praying, what does this season of ministry look like? We landed on three things. Personal evangelism. We want you to share your faith. We want to be those who with beautiful feet carry the good news that Jesus is in charge. That was one. Secondly, we want to reconnect with one another and with those around us. And thirdly, we want to root ourselves in the Bible. This is that. And so 90 days uh, up to Easter, what a great opportunity uh, for us to do that. New Testament in 90 days. So in light of that, we're going to um, take a run at this, trying to understand um, what the Bible is and how it speaks to us over the next couple of weeks. And then um, as soon as Collide Weekend is done, uh, on that Monday, man, we're going to launch into it. Um, and so here's, here's where I want to, to start. Have you had this experience before? This actually happened not too long ago to me. Uh, you're driving down to pick your favorite or least favorite freeway in Houston. Uh, you're driving down and you're maybe in lane two or three from the right there. Um, and there's somebody in the left lane. Typically, it's a dude in a pickup truck who figures out because they finally put their phone down or they quit doing whatever it is that they were doing, that their exit is .0001 miles away. And without blinker or caution, what do they do? The entire, I mean, they go across five, six, 1,200 lanes of traffic, right? They take off two bumpers in the process, you know, I mean, and like, you know, that kind of thing. And you think to yourself, at least this is what I think, that is not a good approach to driving. <laughs> you with me? So, so I think to myself, boy, that is not a good approach to driving. Here's where I want to start. Uh, there are ways that we can approach the Bible that are not good approaches, that are left lane exit kind of approaches. And I want to simply identify them first, and then we're going to um, read the text here, okay? So this is number one. Um, it, this is a bad approach to the Bible, to assume that it is a societal constitution, meaning uh, that God wants to make America into ancient Israel. Can I just put that on the record? That is not a good approach. There are people out there who believe this, do not believe this. Okay? God is not interested in um, taking some uh, law from Leviticus and translating it uh, into modern day. That, that's number one. That, that's kind of the, the societal version of this second one, which is the individual version of number one. The second one is um, that it is some instruction manual for life. This is the primary thing that I grew up with. Um, the approach to the Bible was, what do you need to do to have a successful life? Oh, 
Da, 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 da. Right there. There it is. This is what I'm supposed to go do. And when we say instruction manual in life, there are things in here that we should do. Don't get me wrong. There are ways that God speaks to us that um, instructs us, challenges us, commands us. Yes, absolutely. But to think that if I do this, then my life will be like that. And that's not really a approach. God shapes us differently through the word than, than the formula that we sometimes pretend happens. Thirdly, um, that we think it is a theology handbook. Uh, this feels like at times we're treading on thin ice. And so don't hear what I'm not saying. Hear what I am saying. Um, there are times when we ask questions about God and then we go to open the book and we're like, okay, what, what's this say about God? But the problem is, does anybody have this problem? You, you don't actually ask the right questions. This is what the Bible is doing is helping us. God, through his word, is helping us ask the right questions and then find the answers to that. God, God doesn't... Um, he is not revealing himself to answer our questions. He's helping us ask the right questions. And then lastly, um, it is a devotional or inspirational reader uh, as if it were chicken soup for the Christian soul or something along those lines. But God is not, number one, uh, trying to make America into ancient Israel. He's not trying to make you into an ancient Israelite. Um, he is not trying to answer the questions that you're asking, but giving you the right questions to ask. And lastly, um, he's not all that concerned with you getting up and feeling better. Oh, like that. When you stand up from the Bible, those are all left lane exit approaches to the Bible. Instead, this is about as clear as I could put it in a sentence. Uh, you'll show up on the screen. The Bible is the story that God is telling about himself and his people with the standing invitation that you and I can join him in that story through trusting Jesus. The Bible is the story that God is telling about himself and his people with a standing invitation for us, you and me, to join him in that story. How? Through trusting Jesus. Uh, we'll say this again, but it was written for us, even though it was, wasn't written to us. And you think to yourself, no, 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 it was written to me. And I just, I, I, I quite literally want to take it at its word. Um, you know, like uh, here, right here, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon. I mean, this is like, you weren't there. You know what I mean? Like the church, the Colossian church, you weren't there. Like the Bible was written to, the, the letter to the Colossian church was written to the Colossian church. We get to read it. We get to understand. It was written for us. It was written for us. So I want to give uh, three words today right out of the text here in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. And I want to highlight this and talk about how the Bible works um, in our lives to shape us. Uh, here we go. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. We're going to start there. All scripture. How much of it? Say it one more time. All of it. All scripture is breathed out. Some of you have, may have inspired, breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof. Some of you may have rebuke for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be equipped or um, adequate or competent, equipped for every um, good work. So I want to give you three words here. Number one, inspired, inspired. You should, all scripture is breathed out by God, or it is inspired. What we mean by that is that God, through um, the human authors, breathed his word. What we have in front of us, folks, is God's word to us through human authors. And why that's important is because this 
has authority. This has power. This has clarity. This has wisdom. This has all the things that we need in life. This has that. And God breathed it out to us, and we can trust it. And he did so through the people who put it down. Some people ask the question, what did that look like? Uh, Maybe the Apostle Paul wakes up one night in a trance, and the Holy Spirit takes his arm like a marionette puppet and just writes it. And when Paul wakes up, the book of Romans. Is that how it happened? No, man, that's not how it happened. That's not how it happened. I'll I'll just give you an, uh, an example. The, the Gospels. Um, Luke, Luke was a historian, a doctor. He was very consider, um, he was very concerned with precision, accurately reporting all of this stuff. And so he he writes and he includes like um, uh, sequencing words, you know, after this and uh, seven days later and that kind of thing. And he talks, he, he identifies specific place and in uh, in in this place and in that place. And Pernium and this, and he, he, he locates things. Very concerned. Matthew is, is more concerned about convincing uh, the Jewish people that Jesus is the Messiah. And so he writes with that in mind. Mark, on the other hand, uh, Mark, um, typically, the tradition is that uh, Peter um, is the kind of voice, if you will, and Mark was the author of the gospel, but it was Peter's reflections and remembrances of, of Jesus. Mark writes like an action movie. He's like, and then this happened, and immediately this happened, and immediately this happened. And it's like fight scene after fight scene after fight. They just don't like that. This is is how Mark reads. Um, All of them, all of them expressing through their personalities and for the point that they're trying to make uh, the reality of the story that God is telling. He breathed out. He inspired his word through human authors. People ask, well, what, what inspiration, like what exactly does that mean? Because I've read some poetry or a play or I've listened to a music and it's been inspiring to me. But this is not the kind of inspiration we're talking about. It's not subjective inspiration based on my experience of it. It's objective inspiration based on the creator. God is the one who spoke. God is the one who is communicating to us. God is the one who is giving us his word. And so what we have here is true and reliable and right and good and true trustworthy. We can put our trust in the things that God has said. And it's given to us in the scriptures. Every word, not, not most of the words, every word. How much of the scripture is inspired? All of it. All of it. All scripture is God breathed. Second word is that next word there. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable, profitable. Now, if you've been around um, our church family for a while, you know the little ditty that's about to... Some people think profitable when they think about the Bible um, and when they think about following Jesus. That means that they're going to start following Jesus and doing what he says according to the scriptures and their life is going to go up and to the right and it's always going to be easy and everything's going to be success and the promotion is always going to come and the bank account's always going to grow and so forth and so on and so forth. On all that. In fact, in the Bible are specific instances of you following Jesus and it getting really, really hard at times. So it's not profitable in that sense, but it's profitable profitable for you and me in our relationship with God. And specifically, what is it profitable for? He, he lays it out for us. It is profitable for teaching. 
There are things that the Bible says to us and uh, helps us to learn and to understand that we will not know apart from it. Please hear that. There are things that God says to us in his word that we will not know otherwise. Profitable for teaching. For reproof, or some of you may have rebuke. Um, This is how the Bible speaks of itself in a a different place in in Hebrews chapter 4. The Bible is a two-edged sword. You know, I don't have a ton of experience with swords. That's a true story. I, I don't. But a two-edged sword sounds fairly dangerous to me. Is that anybody? Is that fair? Like, the Bible has a little bit of that in it, folks. It's dangerous, and it should be. And it's able to, to pierce down to the very core of who we are. And at times, it says stuff to us that we don't necessarily like, and we'll talk about that more in just a second. Teaching reproof or rebuke. Um, and then next for correction, for correction, because I don't know if anybody else has had this experience before, but you find yourself, okay, I know that this was the way I was supposed to go. Didn't go that way. And so I'm over here and I figure out this is not good for me. I'm at, I'm in pretty bad shape out over here. Rebuke, but I have no idea how to get back. I don't know how to get out of the ditch that I'm in. I know that I have really messed some things up. I know that I have made a hash out of it. But listen, I don't know, I don't know how to get back. And so what does the Bible offer? It offers correction to say, look, this is the way, this, this is how you're supposed to move. From where you are to where you need to be, this is the path that you need to take. And lastly, training, um, training in righteousness that we will continue to live in the ways that God has for us. It is profitable for teaching, rebuke, correction, and training. Um, there's a question that um, uh, comes up. It's pretty often, I would say, in my own uh, conversations and ministry with folks who are trying to understand the Bible or understand Christianity, and it goes something like this. There are parts of the Bible that I don't like or I don't understand. What do I do with that? Anybody? I'm 48 years old. I've been a Christian for a long time, four decades now. Um, I've been reading the Bible for that long. Listen, there are parts of the Bible that I don't understand and I don't like either. Is that fair? What do we do with that? Remember that the Bible was written for us, uh, but not to us. Paul in Romans chapter 15 verse um, 3 says... Verse four uh, says, these things that were written before are, are written to, to give us hope that God is at work just like he was then he could be at work now. And so you and I, we have these opportunities to trust God in this moment. Okay. So what do we do with the parts that we're like, ooh, ooh, that's kind of messy. Um, I'll give you two things to, to ponder here. Number one, uh, there are parts of the Bible, particularly people get wrapped around some of the crazy stuff that happens in the Old Testament, and there is crazy stuff that happens in the Old Testament. Um, but God tells us about himself and his people there. Um, God and his people are moving into a land that is occupied by people who are the worst people that you've ever thought about. I mean, they were... The people that lived in what is now um, ancient... or what is now Israel in, in those days, they were not nice people. Like, they did terrible things to one another. They did terrible things to women. They did terrible, terrible things to kids and to babies. I mean, like, horrific things. Things that I don't want to talk about. And so them being displaced, that's not a, that's not a loss for the world is what I'm saying. 
And God is moving his people in there and saying, look, people, you're my people. Don't be like those people. And so some of the things have to do with that right there. And then as, as God continues to work and continues his movement, um, th- things are, are different. Things change. When Jesus comes, like some of the, the dietary laws, just for instance, the dietary laws that set people apart are now, they're going, hey, look, th- these things, these things that were, that were setting us apart now are different because Jesus has come. He's fulfilled the law for us. So what about the parts I don't like or understand? Uh, just, just know that there was, there was that. And, and secondly, like you have to read the book, like the whole thing. Why? Because just because the Bible doesn't, uh, uh, excuse me, just because the Bible reports it doesn't mean it condones it. This is the question that I get so often. Um, hey, man, what about polygamy in the Bible? Because it seems like the Bible supports polygamy, right? Let's just go out like everybody that you can name in the Bible seemingly was married to multiple people at the same time. What's up with that? The question that I always ask in response is, how did that work out for them? Did it go well for any of them? Abraham, how'd that work out? Nope, not good for him. Jacob? Nope, not good for him. How about King David? Yeah, King... No. Solomon, his son, why is this guy who ever lived? No. So... Just by reading the story, you figure out, yes, this happened. But when you read the story, like that did not end well. Just because the Bible reports it does not mean that it condones it. We have to read the whole story. Second thing on this, if there are parts of the Bible that I don't like or understand, remember that reporting doesn't necessarily equal condoning. And secondly, um, I want us to be really careful. This is where we speak to the heart and not the head. Like be real careful because... I'll frame the question this way. Do you have a God that can disagree with you? Like sometimes when I pick up the Bible, I ought, I ought to have it in my face, right? Like God ought to speak to me. The words that um, come from him to me ought to rebuke me, ought to um, challenge me. And, And if I don't, if I don't have a God who disagrees with me sometimes, I probably don't have the God of the universe. I probably have a God who looks a lot like me. I probably have an ego is what I have. And my worship is not praising the great God of heaven. My worship is congratulations. You're really a nice person. This is why we read the Bible and why we read the whole Bible. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for rebuke, for correction, and for training um, in righteousness. Last, Last word here. Um, that the man or woman of God may be competent. And again, it could be adequate, it could be complete, depending upon your translation. The idea is you're ready for this moment, you're up for the challenge, you are uh, like, you're in this, you're good to go in this place right here, right now. Um, I'll tell you two things under this. Number one, according to verse 17, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work, the good works that we are given to do. And we have plenty. 2022 has plenty of opportunity for us to do good work. The good works that we are made for, we can be made ready for his work through his word. The things that God speaks to us here, the ways that we commit our lives to the the teaching that is reflected here in the scripture, ready us for the things that we need to do out in the world. That the man of God may be equipped 
or maybe adequate or competent, equipped for every good work. And secondly, this is the negative side of that. Without the scriptures, church family, there is no transformation. There just isn't. God speaks to us from his word. And he uses, we talked about this last week in John 15, how does he prune the vine? He does so through his word. We are the the branches, we are the branches, and he is the one who speaks, and his word is what prunes us, shapes us, makes us who we need to be. Without the scriptures, there's no transformation. So we're going to do some things like read the New Testament through in 90 days and so forth. Um, so you may hear that and you think, okay, this is great. Uh, New Year's resolution. I'm going to read more Bible, that kind of thing. Okay, that's good. Have a plan. We are going to engage with a plan together uh, as a church family. I want to encourage you with that. Um, if you are going to read through the Bible and uh, you hit Leviticus and you're really struggling, just keep going, you know, all that. Okay, so all of that. How, how though, how though do we, what are, what are some ways that we can engage the scriptures. I'll give you two things, very pastoral, very practical here. And I just want to leave these with you and then we're going to take communion together. Uh, Very practically, very pastoral. Number one, just linger over the scriptures. just, Just linger. Sit down and don't get up. Don't be in a hurry to get up. Open this book and don't feel like it's a box you have to check. Just linger. Sit there with it. Read it. Read some more of it. Read it again. Read again what you just read again. Linger. Linger over this book. Don't be in a hurry. Second thing I would encourage you under lingering, um, this is, again, very practical. Put something in your hand to write with. Take a pen in your hand. Me personally, that makes me slow down when I have a pen in my hand. But have a pen in your hand. You think, I'm not going to write in the Bible. That's God's word. Okay, that's fine. I I write in my Bible if that gives you permission, all right? I write stuff that God says or insights or whatever. It just... I underline things. I want to remember this one. Have a pen in your hand because you may want to write something down. And, you know, if you've been in education, the the more you write down, the more you remember. That's just the reality. Write it down. Have a pen. It'll make you slow down and it'll help you record some of the things that God said. And when you go back, look at it again, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember. Have a pen. Lastly, Take a phrase, find a phrase, and dwell on that phrase. Find a phrase and just dwell on it. So, so maybe from this text right here, all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable. Well, the Bible is profitable. Maybe that's your phrase. And maybe you just take that and you just chew on it all day long. It, it is your chewing gum all day long. Your spiritual chewing gum all day long. And you just... You just work it, and it works you. That's a good thing. Pick pick a phrase. As you read, pick a phrase. 
and just dwell on it all day long. Very practically. Don't, don't be in a hurry. Slow yourself down with a pen. Make yourself slow down. And then take a phrase and just noodle on that all day long. Chew on it. Linger over the scriptures. And last, uh, look for Jesus. Look for him. Um, if you read in the Old Testament, maybe uh, a, a little more work, you may have to read more of the story. Uh, if you read in the New Testament, he is all over the place, man. You can see him everywhere. So like, it's a little easier, but like, look for Jesus. Look for him. He says this um, to some folks in, in John chapter 5, verse 39. And I don't want us to miss this here. One more. There we go. In John chapter 5, verse 39, he says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. So these people, this is their mindset. If I look right here on these words, if I put my eyes on these words, I'm going to find eternal life. He says, you search the scriptures because you think in them that you have eternal life, but it is they that bear witness about me. The important thing that I want you to get with that right there is as much as we stare at this page, Jesus is staring out from these pages at us. As much as we engage with this right here, he, through this page, through these words, through this text, he is engaging with us. So when we say, look for Jesus, that's what we're talking about. You pick up and you read the book and it tells us about him. And right there, he's right there speaking to us, engaging with us, talking to us. This is what we're talking about. There are people who, they know the words, but they don't know God. Look for Jesus and engage him there. Look for Jesus and engage him there. I'll just give you this closing illustration. Um, one of my favorite things about going to a place that serves breakfast all day, IHOP, Denny's, Kelly's, Waffle House, you show up, the nice server comes over, hands you a menu. You need anything else, hun? They always call you hun. I love it. Anything else? Not right now. I'm good. You, you pick up the menu. What, what do you have on the menu? You've got breakfast. You've got other options, but nobody goes to IHOP for the burger. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's weird, but you have pictures. Like, you know what a Rudy Tootie Fresh and Fruity is supposed to look like. When it comes out, it doesn't look like that. But nonetheless, I mean, you go there and you're like, oh, this is what it's supposed to look like. And so let's pretend you go in, you're hungry, right? And you got the menu in front of you there. What do you have, hon? Give me just a minute. I just start looking and your stomach, man. Because you see the pictures. And it creates something in you. All right, hon, what do you have? Comes back. What do you have, hon? Close the menu, hand it back. No, I'm good. What just happened there? You missed out on the thing that you went there for. This is what I'm saying about as our time in the scriptures. When we look for Jesus, don't just read the words. It's not just the pictures. Jesus is the meal. That's why we're looking for him. Stay long enough to place the order. 
Linger long enough to eat. Look for Jesus. You don't have to get up hungry, folks. You don't have to. God will speak to you. He will feed you with his word. Look for Jesus. I'm going to pray and we're going to take communion together. What I want to encourage as we kick off this new year is God has spoken to us and every word is inspired. All scripture is breathed out by God. Man, and it is good for you and it will ready you for everything that 2022 holds. So we're going to start the year by reminding ourselves of that, by looking for Jesus and by taking communion, another tangible way that we um, experience him. So let's pray and we'll take communion together. Why don't you take a moment? God's spoken to you. The places where you need to respond to him, say something to him. Just take a moment and do so. And before we take communion, why don't you take a moment? If there's something between you and someone else or God, if you need to do any other business with him, you need to confess some things. You need to set aside some things. You need to offer some things. Why don't you take a moment and do so? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you have spoken to us. God, give us faith to believe it. Give us faith to encounter you in it. Disciplines and practice and reading plans, all that kind of stuff. They're good, but your word is, is profitable for us. So help us to engage you. Thank you, God, for the opportunity for communion to remind ourselves that tangibly you came to the earth. Physically, you died on the cross in our place for our sins. People weren't just making that story up. They wrote as they were Carried along by the Holy Spirit is what Peter says. Thank you that you physically, tangibly rose from the dead. You gave proof of your life to many and to us. And so we're here celebrating the fact that today the Lord reigns. You, Jesus, reign. Not an idea you reign. So we come now to remember, make it fresh for us as we do so. And we ask this in Christ's name. Everybody said, amen and amen.